happy Friday and welcome to Up and Coming, a podcast which is dedicated to discovering exciting up and coming artists from around the world, hosted by me, Evie, and by Sean. Each week, we'll chat to a different artist about their life, music, and inspirations, whilst leaving plenty of time to share some of their best tracks with you. Today's episode is all about The Islas, an indie rock four-piece from Norfolk. I started by tackling the elephant in the room, by questioning lead singer Nathan on the whereabouts of the other band members. So you're representing The Islas today. I was just wondering how the rest of the band is doing. Do they have good excuses for missing this? Or... <laughs> Um, well, so we've got myself and Ross who live in Norwich. Um, Ross doesn't speak to anyone, hardly me. So I don't <laughs> think you'll ever get an interview out of him, but um, he is absolutely the brains of the band. Um, and then we've got Ed who lives in London and then we've got Granger who are in Leicester. So the geographical differences are, of course, not an excuse, um, but all of them are working. So all working from home. Um, so it's just me. But hey, to be honest with you, this is really what we do as a band. It's usually myself and, and Granger who usually do the kind of speaking, really. Not for fear of the other two saying something silly, or that <laughs> or actually maybe it is actually worried about them saying something silly. Um, so, yeah, today is, um, is is just me. But I'll do all I can. It should, should be fine. <laughs> That's great. I'm just thankful that we could have you anyway. This is amazing. So thank you again. Uh, I actually just wanted to start by asking, how, you, how did you all meet? How did the Islas begin? Myself and Ross... Uh, studied at a local music college Ross is a couple years older than me and he just finished his A-levels and I came straight out of high school Um, and um, I loved music college but I didn't love my first few weeks because I was like everyone's on a different wavelength to me here like everyone wants to be in a metal band Um, and I came in just wanting to be the next Ed Sheeran really I had like this acoustic guitar and like a really dodgy haircut and um luckily um me and ross just got chatting and then it was kind of like well let's just work together you know what i mean ross was into a lot of different music than i was but i think we had we had a common conversation and it was something about football i think he was the only person that, that liked football and we just kind of hit it off from there really so so me and ross started a band called montague's and capulets um in our college days um which was great for for a couple of years we we wrote a a whole bunch of songs together um which was great and then as things happened people hit their early 20s and and life changes right people went to university people went on to other things and then we stopped for a bit and then we decided that actually we weren't quite done we thought it'd be nice to continue so we formed the islas um and we met our drummer ed who was in a band called weekend away and he came to the very last Montague's and Capulets show um, and just said, yeah, like if you ever want to do anything, you know, I'd be more than happy to to, to try out. And um, the Islands have had three different bass players. And I promise you, it's not because we're not bad to work with. It's just generally that, that life just happens, right? So uh, our current bass player and hopefully our forever bass player is uh, Mr. Granger Wittering. And uh, we I met him because he used to work with me. We used to work together. And when we lost our second bass player, I said, hey, look, you know, I think you play guitar. So do you want to start playing bass? And you're quite a cool guy to be around. And it was just just like that, really. And, and then here we are. So once you'd come together as a band, how did you come up with the name The Islers? Why didn't you stick to the Montagues and the Capulets? There was a couple of reasons. Montagues and Capulets was really long and it was really tough to get on merch. And that is the honest truth. Like it was really difficult to get all of the spaces on like a wristband or a t-shirt. The logos didn't look too good either. So we decided that we needed something a bit shorter. And the bass player at the time, Tom, his his dad lived in Spain for a long time of his life. And we were just, I don't know, we were just in Ed's room at the time and we kind of stayed in Ed's room for so long, like just, just right in before we released anything. And and we were just messing about really. We were looking on SoundCloud, like if you're ever looking for a band name, we always try and use SoundCloud because no matter what you think of, I guarantee there's a band that are called it. And Tom was just saying like, oh, Canary Islands, Canary Islas. And I was like, Islas, that's quite nice. Let's just go with that one and we'll change it in a few weeks. And we never did. So the Islas was born and then we never really, really looked back. Do you have any? Do you have any regrets now? Because I have admitted already that obviously I've accidentally called you the Islas, and I really do apologise <laughs> for that. Do you guys have any regrets? Honestly, n- I wouldn't say regrets. I mean, it is. I like it. I, I, it's kind of grown on me. I like saying, and the people that I speak to are like, "Oh, it's a cool name." 
Islas. Like, yeah, I like it. Like, it's quite nice. It's just, you know, once you kind of pronounce it right, um, it's good. But we do have a good story, um, which the only time I did regret it was when we put it forward to this morning, um, which was an amazing feat for the band. We were so, so pleased that they, they chose one of our tracks to play. And anyone that have seen the This Morning videos, they, they introduce the unsigned band and then they play it over a fashion video. So first ever TV play for us. It was amazing. And I remember emailing um, our point of contact and just saying, look, I love Philip Schofield and, and Holly Willoughby, like their class, like it's really great. I really want to make sure they get it right. So please pronounce it. It's pronounced Isla. And I actually spoke out I as in E-Y-E and then L, like U-H kind of thing. And I was like, please pronounce it this way. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. I'll pass it on to Phil. Like, it's all good. No problem. And then I obviously knew it was going to be on this morning. I told my friends, like, tune in. It's going to be class. Like, I had people around, around me at work, like, over my, my computer. And I was like, yeah, just watch ITV. It's going to be great. And um, it was still a fantastic thing. But he did say on national TV, here's Back of Your Neck by Isla. And I was like, no, I was like, he was so close. He was so, so close. And I tried to brush it off. And then like midway through, I got loads of texts saying, hey, Isla. Oh, hey, Isla. Great chat, Isla. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, geez. So I wouldn't say it was a regret, but it's probably my fault. I should have put a Z on the end or an S, right? So he'd have known. Of course, yeah. But uh, <laughs> Phil, if you are listening, I've apologized. I think it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, hopefully you'll be on the show again and Phil can have another chance to get it right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So um, since you started making music together, do you feel that your sound has changed and developed since um, you began as a band? Yeah, definitely. So we we started about 2017 and for a band that's been about for four years, we don't actually have too many songs out there, right? And I think um, we started because we released a kind of demo EP, if you like. We recorded that in, in Ed's house. And that took a bit of time. That took about a year to kind of get everything out. We released it as singles and, and we called it a Generation to Forget EP. And that was really enjoyable. And that was when we kind of were figuring out who we wanted to be. And then we recorded Eileen and Back of Your Neck in 2019 with a great production duo called Sugarhouse. They were really good at kind of saying, okay, who do you want to be? You know, what do you want to sound like? And then coming into 2020, when all studios obviously were shut for a while and we couldn't gig and make any money, we went back into the studio with our friend, Tom, who's an amazing producer from Norfolk. And um, he's a great producer, but he he's very good at kind of letting you take the lead as the artist. So that was only then we're really that we thought, okay, yeah, this is when, you know, what do we want this one to sound like? What do we want the guitars to sound like? How do we want it to be? And my songwriting has changed massively. And me and Ross write the songs together. So when I kind of send him a demo just from home using Logic or something like that, it doesn't really matter what kind of genre it is if you like i mean we have some quite slow tracks out there we've got some quite faster tracks out there and i think the indie if you want to call it a genre it's so broad you can kind of have whatever you want so we kind of take so much influence from so many different people i mean we're working on songs that are quite heavy and we're working on songs that you know have a lot of kind of jazz chords in there and, and stuff so i think it's, it's a tough one really i don't really know what our sound is if i'm being honest <laughs> you know i'll level with you i think we just write what we enjoy and i think when we released close one of the best feedback I, I got from that track was that it's just solid indie like it's just solid pure indie lord can you hear my haunted sounds your voice might just calm me down i feel a weight upon my sin but i still
think we're still finding our sound. We're still, although we've been together 2017, we're still very much a, a new band. We've, we've only got really, what, five songs on Spotify? So, you know, there's still a lot for us to do here, but, but this year we'll definitely release more music, hopefully something a bit more tangible, perhaps a big EP and a couple of singles. In the previous answer, you talked about how the way that you write songs has changed. I'm just wondering if you could elaborate on that and how the process works between you and Ross. Yeah, so, um, I mean, coming into 2018 and 19, I would just record on an acoustic guitar and send it to Ross. And he'd either be like, yeah, or he'd be like, hmm. And then, you know, the kind of higher pitched hmm, he said, the better it was. So um, that's really how I got out of him. Um, And so that kind of changed to me saying, all right, stop mucking about now. Like buy yourself some, you know, a microphone and and use Logic on your Mac and start getting something together. And it really helped me to kind of piece together the original ideas. But Ross is really good at melody and he's really good at structuring songs. He listens to a much more wider range of music than I do. So he has really good ideas for recording and and, and stuff. So he he doesn't touch the lyrics, but he'll come in and perhaps change the melody and and play a melody that I should sing on the guitar, etc. And um, that's really how I've been writing now. And I think even lockdown or not, that's how it will remain. We'll continue that. And then we have something to share to Ed and Granger together. And it's kind of like, okay, it's been through the stages of my idea to Ross kind of breaking it all down and then building it back up again and then sending it to, to Granger and Ed. And, and that's how we work. So the songwriters are me and Ross, really. Um, and then we'll kind of have our idea what we want for drums and, and bass. But because we've played together for so long, it doesn't take long. Like Ed and Granger are so good at kind of knowing what we're trying to do. And because they listen to their music and they have that, you know, they're brilliant musicians in their own right. It, it just kind of comes together quite well. The best example I can give you of this working was, was last time forever, because that started with a riff that Ross sent me, which I then started singing along. And then he sent me a couple of chords to play. I played the chords, sent it back to him. He sent it back a few times. Then it went to our friend Simon, who plays piano. And then we sent it to Ed and Granger. And it was then Ed saying, yeah, let's get this kind of big drum kind of sound in here. I think it's going to sound great. And Granger saying, yeah, I think I'm just going to kind of, you know, go ahead with the kind of chord structure and really lay into that with with the bass guitar. and, And it was born. And that was really cool. I loved that. I loved writing that song. That was so, so great. And for me, it helped me out of lockdown a lot because if I didn't have anything creative to do, I would have really, really struggled, you know, back in March, May time. So um, that was that was great. So that's really how it works now. It all kind of starts from idea from me and Ross, really, it's kind of together. Um, and this is how we're going to hopefully finish right in our, um, our next EP, which is, which is all fun. What would you say is the biggest motivation for you to write and record? Oh, do you know what? I'm really bad sometimes because I my friends are going to listen to this and laugh so much. So currently, I've packed my Xbox away. Like I've like I've been playing so much Call of Duty and so much FIFA that I had to say on like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, "Boys, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to let the team down. Like I've got to pack it away because I need to just sit by my Mac. I'm I'm definitely not as good as those but i'm really envious of those songwriters like you know, the gary barlow's of the world they just like can sit at piano and write a song like, how on earth do you do that that's incredible for me it takes ages i write lyrics in my phone all the time and then i have to really sit down at my desk and really like you know get in the right headspace to do it and and get it done um and the more i kind of put pressure on myself to write songs the worse they sound so if i give myself uh, a month to write a track or two usually six or seven will come out but if i'm like oh i've got three days i can write a song nothing will happen so i definitely need like a bit of time to kind of get things done and i'll probably have my own worst enemy really because there's probably so many ideas that we could have released that i'm like no it's not good enough it's rubbish i never want to hear it again and i get really kind of spiteful about about my own work really so now recording it and then listening back i mean it's happened a few times ross has been like hey remember you sent me this when you were like 17 uh, let's let's work on this again so um yeah I, i'll be honest with you lockdown has been great like for for the songwriting front it's been a really really tough time for everybody but it's been really cool just to finish work at five 
and tuck into to to writing and I kind of love it again if I'm being honest and I haven't really felt this way probably since I was about 16 17 really um and the more I tried to write a number one then I realized that I'm probably never going to write a number one and then it just they sound better once you kind of just start writing for yourself and not really worrying what people think about it you know it it, it feels fresher it feels better so yeah this it has changed massively but in a in in a good way i think when you start enjoying something better things better things happen right yeah i definitely agree does the music that you're listening to at a particular time have an influence on the songs that you're writing yeah definitely i think um again a really good thing about working with with ross granger and ed is that we always listen to different things and um I never used to. I used to only listen to Arctic Monkeys. That was it. Like I was just obsessed <laughs> with Alex Turner growing up. So Monty using Capulets, like if you listen to any early demos, you'd be like, this guy sounds like he's from Sheffield, but he's from Norfolk. Like what's he doing? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, it definitely, definitely really helps. Um, I'm listening to loads at the moment. I'm obsessed with like some kind of old California indie bands at the moment. I'm really into Young the Giant. I'm really into Always. Um, there's a great artist called Japanese Breakfast. She's incredible. She's got some great tracks. Yeah, just listening to that that kind of thing is is really really good. And and then there's always the, the the people that remain. I always listen to Paul Weller. I'll always listen to Alex Turner. You know, I always listen to the Kinks, the, the Jam. You know, the Clash, the Massive, uh, Stiff Little Fingers. So many bands that will always I'll always listen to. It, it definitely does have an influence. But the nice thing is that if I'm not listening to anything new one of the other lads will be so we kind of always are changing in terms of your sound changing the way you write changing in 2019 we asked you what track you would play to introduce someone to your music and you said Eileen at the time would that still be your choice now yeah I think so I think it would be um it's the most popular song we have on Spotify it was on Spotify hot new bands which was really cool um that was massive for us at the time so I think that's quite a punchy, energetic track, really. So, yeah, I think I'd probably say I was probably bang on the money back that time. I think, <laughs> I think Eileen is, is still, still my favourite. What do you love most about that track? Do you know what? I wrote, ah, do you know that, I wrote that when, God, I was 19, 18, 19, I think. And we had this, we released it actually, it's Montague's and Capulets. Um, and, um, after we released that, um, it, 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 yeah, it, it was, it did really well on the BBC introducing, um, at the time BBC came to Norwich, um, and we managed to play a little show on there. It got played on radio one, which was great. Um, and it was like this kind of demo track that again, we did with Tom who we work with now, you know, many years ago. And, um, the lyrics are really cool. I was really pleased with the lyrics. I was watching a Netflix documentary um, about Eileen Wernos, who was like a famous serial killer. Sorry to bring this podcast right now. <laughs> um, but but um, it's going somewhere, I promise. Um, and um, I remember a lot of our songs, as pretentious as this sounds, it's just me kind of thinking about, oh, that's strange. Oh, that's weird. And kind of thinking that feeling. And I just kind of elongate that feeling. And I was watching this show and it was about, the serial killer who killed like loads of men pretended to be um a sex worker and uh it was quite dark um and she was in a relationship um for a long time throughout this this period and the woman she was in a relationship with was so in love with her that it didn't really matter to her that she was killing people and i was like oh my god like come on like you know your girlfriend's killing people and you're like saying that you still love her and stuff like this is this is a bit odd. And I was thinking like if my girlfriend killed someone, like <laughs> I don't really know how I'd feel. Um, so and I remember just thinking that and thinking, oh, this is really strange. So then I just kind of wrote it from from her perspective. And I remember showing that to Ross and he's not really into lyrics, to be honest with you. Um, he doesn't really care what I write. Um, and um, and then he was like, oh, that's quite cool. And I remember we played it to the producer and he was like, oh, so what's this one about? And I told him and he was like, mm, there's not a lot of bands that do that, you know. He's like, there's not a lot of bands that do that because you'd be mistaken to think it's like a a love song and it kind of is in its weird, horrible way. So uh, I think as much as it is, we want it to be an indie track. We want it to be a kind of indie, indie kind of banger, if you like. It does have that kind of lyricism to it. And an an example of that would be 
Foster the People, Pumped Up Kicks, right? What an amazing song. Everyone knows it. It comes on in your indie nights all over, you know, England and, and Europe. And um, actually, it's about a school child killing people in his class. And you think like, oh my goodness, like, you know, it just kind of adds another layer to the track, if you like. So I quite like that. I like that we had that and I like that we wrote it that way. So um, I'd probably say that's our, our strongest one lyrically too. Yeah, that's really interesting. I would have had no idea. <laughs> You'll never listen to it again now. You'll be like, I'm not listening to this. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pumped up kicks when you, like you say, when everyone's singing in a club mm. and then you just take a step back and you think, actually, yeah. it's a very odd song to be singing but i guess yeah things have different levels of meaning but that's really interesting it's got a little is it like robert robert's got a six six hand or something i think that's a gun and like um and like he's coming for you like he's running for you and it's yeah, like better run better yeah, run yeah 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 and you're like oh man i'm screaming this with like a vk in my hand <laughs> what's going on <laughs> <laughs> then last year you guys released close and dancing with daisy in september um, why did you decide to release these tracks together rather than as separate singles? Um, I th- we were really conscious of the fact that it had been 13 months since Back of Your Neck came out. So all of our plans were scuppered. We were going to go back into the studio with Sugar House, um, who are who are based up in Merseyside. And, um, you know, it, it does cost a bit of money. So you, we don't, we do put into our band fund. But what we usually do is we use any money we earn from gigs or streaming, we just put into a pot. And our pot was dry, right? Like it was just not going anywhere. And so then we decided that we would go go back in with Tom. And then I think we were supposed to go in with Tom the weekend of the lockdown, I think. Um, so it was it was really tricky. We didn't really have much to do there. And then we, I don't think we were going to release Close, you know. Um, we then started, we then had a few rehearsals when things kicked up again because we couldn't get back into the studio because I think he had a few more bands coming in. Um, and then we started playing close and we we're like, oh, I really like this one. And then we started playing Dance with Daisy because that's an old one. That's a proper old one. That was probably one of the first ones me and Ross wrote. And I think it was the first time Ed and Granger heard it. And they're like, yeah, I like it. Like, really like it. And then we were playing that last time forever and those three together because we recorded those all, all at the same time in June. And um, it, it, we just decided they were just the three best tracks. So I think it was, just, I like bands that have good B-sides. I think that's really cool. And I like it when, you know, you kind of hear a track and then you learn more about the band and you, you know, you can say, oh, this is my favorite B-side of this, this band, that kind of thing. Like again, like very Arctic Monkeys are really good at that. Blossoms are really good at that. You know, these really cool up and coming bands and, you know, Sam Fender, for example, I love Sam Fender and his, you know, his first songs that he released that are really kind of hauntingly beautiful, if you like. Uh, so I quite like that. Um, so we decided that it was good to release two at the, at the same time. And then last time forever, and then just promised ourselves it would never be thirteen months before we release music again. So um, it was just really important for us to get get a, get a few more tunes out. Now I have had a question I've wanted to ask you ever since I first saw the name Dancing with Daisy, and that is simple: Who is Daisy? <laughs> you know, everyone asks me this. You're like, "Oh, is your girlfriend Daisy? Like, oh, do you love Daisy?" <laughs> and I'm really sorry to say, just a literally figment of my imagination. That that song is is like oh, again, like it's pretty dark, really. That song sounds like a love song, but it's almost like a, a second best. The, the lyrics are always about singing about you, and then the the end verses. And she said that her name was Daisy. She doesn't even begin to amaze me like you do um and it's just really about yeah just a a kind of yeah just like a second best really it sounds horrible i sound horrible saying that out loud um <laughs> but it really isn't a personal experience it was just a, a kind of story really i quite like songs that are stories so i tried to make that one and have a little twist at the end like you think oh dancing with daisy he's in love with daisy and actually he's not in love with daisy he's in love with you I thought I saw you dancing by the fruit machine It wasn't you, but I can say that the girl She was very keen And she said that her name was Daisy And she doesn't even begin to amaze me like you do I've spent my entire life Looking for you 95% of my life 
through your head <laughs> she's like where, who are these women like <laughs> you're you're right about now you've touched on this a little bit already you wrote dance with the daisy if i'm correct back when you were in college so why did you decide to release it after such a long time so i was 16 when i wrote that song and i've written so many songs you know it, to be honest with you so many songs that i've written in the past and there are probably some really sketchy recordings of them out there somewhere but it was only until we got into the islas that we we really thought about who we wanted to be and i think like it's worth mentioning that we're completely diy so everything that you see everything that we create every video is is done by myself and ross so every kind of little snippet that you'd you'd see on like the back of your neck video for example i think it cost us like 30 quid like a couple of clown costumes and we found this old kind of studio to, to to do it in and ross has a pretty decent camera so everything is is us and i think it was because we always wanted to write always wanted to change how we wrote songs but i think as we got older maybe i realized that actually some of those songs were, were pretty good and, and they're quite nostalgic for us and I, this again sounds so pretentious but when you're in your kind of mid-20s you think about okay how much longer can I put all this effort into being in a band and then it's not about leaving anything behind but it's about when I'm really old and gray and I can say to my kids oh yeah I was in a band Um, and this is what we did and then I'm thinking about what songs would we want to record and what songs would I I want to show them so um, this is why the EP is going to be quite special because you know it sounds really doom and gloom we're not breaking up but you know you don't know what happens like my my life has changed so much in the past year and when you kind of get into your mid-20s and your late 20s like oh my god like 30s approaching right and you know all of us have long-term girlfriends like all of us are moving out like you know people live in different places and, and life kind of has a habit of getting in the way right so it um it's just about really what what we wanted to do and I think because me and Ross thought that one was quite special because we wrote it so long ago and it was actually Ed that said, "Yeah, let's do that. I like that. That's that's pretty cool." And then it 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 was recorded and a little bit different to the original, but it was nice. It kind of grew with us, if you like, and that was the decision behind it. But we've got nothing left, so everything coming from this point on is new. So you released "Last Time Forever" at the end of 2020. That track is quite different to anything you've released before. What inspired that change? I was in a pretty pretty dark place, to be honest with you, um, back in in the lockdown. So I work from home. Um, I had to work from home in March, and uh, I I just moved to Cambridge because I got a job in Cambridge, and I was like renting a room there. And then I literally packed up my room and stuff in in my dad's house. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going. See ya." Um, and then within two weeks, I was back. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, Dad, uh, I need my room back." And then when you're in your kind of room for like like what 20 23 22 hours a day uh it's pretty tough so i used to i'm really 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 lucky to live in norfolk because we went to the coast a fair bit i kind of just drove down there had a few walks and stuff and you know i really have to be careful what i say here because i'm super lucky i don't i don't suffer with depression i don't have anxiety i'm really really fortunate i have very many people close to me that do suffer with it but it was really hard and I've never been in that position before because I'd always kept myself really busy. I always had a gig to do at the weekend or I was playing football or something. I was always, there was always something for me to do. And then to take that away and just have work and nothing else, it was just really tough. So that song's like pretty sad and it's pretty slow and last time forever and stuff like it's already a really sad title and it, it has a really kind of melancholy vibe to it. And it definitely came from a pretty melancholy place i was writing like a bit of poetry and stuff which i've never done before i was reading like some super sad books as well so i wasn't making it easy for myself 
but um yeah it was um it was it was good it was is i'm really proud of that one how it came out and then luckily it, i just managed to channel everything into in into that and channel everything into into the into the song really so that's that's how it came about and that's why it sounds different it was it was um born out of this really melancholy demo and a mixture of kind of poems that i've written in my phone on notes like just when i've been i don't know going to the beach and stuff and just sitting in my room and not really having to do anything lost my hopeful thoughts somewhere in between deep sleep and a funny dream i hope you still think of me heard rumors and yeah darling to my surprise i'm a consolation prize just to the night is this the last time forever thing with my playstation <laughs> call of duty got me through a lot of lockdown yeah oh mate honestly man i was like i was prestiging like no one's business i was like <laughs> i haven't played since i was like 15 um but yeah no i think like i said that was like it came a social thing didn't it like, it was like how you speak to your mates and stuff which was which was pretty cool so that bit was that bit was great um you know and um like i'm i'm like, I'm totally fine like even in this 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 kind of lockdown feels a bit different if i'm being honest because we've kind of been here before but it was super unprecedented for everyone right like i didn't know what was going on and there was just no sign of it getting better and you know all the holidays that that you know people had booked had gone you know all the all that kind of stuff had happened and i probably presume that people felt very similar to christmas right so um yeah that was that was my wobble i had my wobble and uh and uh the, the track came out of it that's a pretty great thing to create in in a warble, I have to admit. And then you also recorded a number of covers over lockdown called the Quarren Dream Sessions. Yeah. Um, what inspired the decision to start that and which cover was your favourite to produce? Yeah, it was, um, I was like, oh, I'm not going to release this on Spotify. I'm not going to do it on SoundCloud. And I was like, I just want to have a bit of fun with it, really. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, do you know, I haven't done that in ages. I used to play covers all the time when I was, um, before I went to college, like when I was like 14, 15, I used to always do it. And I quite like people that change covers a little bit. So I found this really nice guitar sound. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to release something because we've got nothing else to do. <laughs> so let's get something out there. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was really cool. Um, and it wasn't about like how well they did. And that's why we didn't 
didn't put it on Spotify or anything. It was just about getting something out there for me, really, um, just to do it. And I think I really like No Surprises, probably only just because I love that track anyway. Yeah, I think that was probably the funnest one to do. I'm quite a big fan of, of the OK Computer album, so I'd probably say that one, although the Oasis track was... Was was fun as well. That's actually my little brother playing the guitar on that one. I oh, called, oh, yeah, wow. I called him cool. in and I was like, "Do you want to play on this?" And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then he managed to play the little the little riff. And um, we've got a really good relationship. Me and me and Joel get on really well. But um, that was the first time that we we did something together. So yeah, again, just another thing that I wanted to keep myself busy with through through the period. Could that be the first of? A few things you do with your brother, do you think? Or do you think that was his debut and ending musically? <laughs> I don't know. He plays guitar, so I don't want Ross to listen to this and feel like he's on his way out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe. I think um, he's a few years younger than me. He's um, he's seven years younger than me. So I say little brother. You're probably thinking like someone who's like 11. Like he's, he's 17. But yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's he's getting He's getting really good. Our dad has spoiled us rotten, really, by teaching us both how to play guitar. And he sings a little bit as well. So who knows? Maybe maybe when Islas are done, I'll be Noel Gallagher. He'll be Liam. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully with a better relationship. Maybe. Who knows? The way it's going at the moment, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so a slightly different question, though. I'd love to ask you which artists got you through 2020 with a smile. Oh, it's oh, a cracking question. There's probably loads, to be honest with you. Um, I love the fact that Strokes dropped an album which I thought was, for me, album of the year. Do you know what? I really love the Taylor Swift album. That's not going to get me any points, but oh my God, what an album I'm that with was. You. Folklore was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. And like, um, I was listening to that loads whilst, because I'm working from home, like, yeah, really quiet, like quite admin work. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to whack some tunes on. And um, my friend's girlfriend's like a huge Taylor Swift fan, like has been for ages. And um, he messaged me and he was like, oh, have you heard Taylor Swift's new album? And funny enough, he messaged me outside of the group chat, which speaks volumes, isn't it? Like, that speaks volumes that he's done that. Um, and I was like, yeah, mate, I have. And it's really good. And um, I thought that, that was great. God, she's got some great songs on there. So she's definitely up there for me. I discovered Hippocampus. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're oh, yeah, really, they're a great band. Oh, man, I love Hippocampus. That's like, such a great band. He's got like stunning voice. Like he, I was reading that he's like, opera trained or something and i was like oh, oh man. wow I was like, give give the rest of us a chance gee <laughs> um and uh yeah he's their their tracks are brilliant so like i said like you, you kind of get into a band i get into bands when they've released like three albums so i had loads listened to from hippocampus he called him out loads of time but sam fender's amazing for his album was was really really good yeah lo- loads of different stuff i revisited a whole ton of old kind of soul and motown which was really cool. So yeah, loads and loads and loads of loads of artists. But the one I probably have to call out, I'm gonna call out Swifty. She's brilliant. That <laughs> album's incredible. I'm yeah. definitely a big Swift fan now. I think a lot of people are. They just don't want to say it. I yeah, so I think that's very true as well. I think a lot of people are definitely up or Brad. And obviously, you know, you've listed lots of bands there, so where you can go online, you can listen to their music. But obviously, one what what's been most affected for musicians is probably not being able to perform live at all over this last year. So once the pandemic is over and gigs start up again, where would be your dream venue to play live? Uh, do you know what? I'm, I, do, I haven't gigged in so long. Like I feel like if we gig now, it would be terrible. We'd be so rusty. There's there's local ones. So like this is going to sound really lame, but there's the UEA in Norwich and I think just for me because it's proper nostalgic for me because I've seen so many great bands there so we played on there once at this kind of like fundraiser thing but to maybe just support a really big band because I'd love to get a bit bigger in Norwich and and it's starting to happen like there's great things that are happening but I'd love to kind of really play to a local you know show and stuff because I don't Norwich has a good music scene, but I don't think it's been known for having any kind of bands coming out right so I'd like to support perhaps a big big band there um i love the electric ballroom in camden oh man what a great venue and because it's so intimate as well like it's really cool so i'm sure if you ask that question to a lot of people they're going to be like headline glastonbury or you know wembley stadium sold out free free nights but for me it's more about the little kind of the little limit one really i'm just really looking forward to getting back into a 
a sticky venue really like horrible floors <laughs> terrible beer um, but just a really great vibe really that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to so I'm going to lock in electric ballroom if you could choose an act to support you on tour who would be your choice and why See, now I can't say someone big here, can I? Like, I can't say like, oh, I'd have Kings of Leon support us. <laughs> like, cause that's not going to happen. Think big, dream big. <laughs> Could you imagine like, yeah, you have the small changing room. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. There's loads of great bands in, in Norwich. One of my favorite ever bands is a band called The Crooks. And they were a band from Sheffield. You'd be, be forgiven you haven't heard from them but if you do check them out they are incredible and i adore them and um i went to their last ever show in sheffield and they sell, sold out the lead mill and um that was incredible and i feel like if we ever got big and we ever got to the extent where i don't know we've sold out a tour or something i probably owe it to them to get them back from retirement and be like look i've, I've built my whole career around you lot so um you probably should have a have a have a, have a bit on this one um so there i mean if i was like if it was like going on tour with someone who i think is pretty cool like i think arlo parks is really cool i bet she'd be pretty sick to hang about with um phoebe bridges is pretty cool right she's doing loads of stuff at the moment she'd she'd be quite quite cool to hang about with I'm going to lock in an answer. Yeah, it'd be the crooks. Let's bring the crooks back. <laughs> so what's coming up in 2021 for the Islas? We're writing better than we ever have done before. And that's going to that's putting my neck on the line, isn't it? Like you'd be expecting big things from us. But um, no, we're, we're, we're going to release something a bit more, bit more from us. We're going to release an EP. And um, then our Spotify will have more than five tracks on it, um, which is great. Um, so um, we're looking forward to that. When you release an EP, it's a bit more exciting than a single because I think you're giving away more of yourself, right? You're giving away more of what you're about and what you can do. And we're, we're kind of getting it together at the moment. And it's it's, it's about 70% there, I think. So I'm dead, dead, dead excited to, to release that. Um, and then hopefully a couple more singles. So there'll, there'll, there'll definitely be some music from us throughout uh the year so we're kind of preempting that when studios can reopen and when we are able to go back in we'll probably end up staying there for a, a week or so and getting all the tracks down and then um then moving on so there's that and then i think there'll be a bit more kind of social media content from us i think i've seen a lot of really cool bands do a lot of cool stuff and i think when you when you like a band and you listen to a band um it's quite nice to know like who's in the band and you can kind of picture them you know what i mean like cassia we supported cassia and it was really weird for me because I met them and I knew all of them. And I and then it sounded like I was a stalker, but I just followed them on Instagram. So I just know what they're talking about all the time. So I know all their names and stuff. And I know that like the drummer supports United and <laughs> this other sort of thing. So yeah, I quite like that. I like it that when you're kind of in a band that you, you have fans and stuff and people can relate to you. So hopefully a bit more of that as well. And yeah, just, just on our toes all the time. think the best things that happen to us are usually three weeks beforehand. So we played a gig in Rouen in France and we got the nod for that four weeks before the gig. So just to make sure that we're just as kind of flexible and versatile as always, really, if an opportunity comes our way, we're just, just going to take it. Does the EP have a theme? No, not really. It's, um, it will, it will kind of, it, the, 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 the lyrics are all, all kind of centered around different stuff. I mean, I think you'll, I mean, there's a track on there that's just predominantly vocals and guitar. There's a couple of slower ones on there as well. There's uh, a track that we're hoping to release that will be a little bit different to anything we've done before. It's a bit more kind of dancier, a little bit more, or uh, kind of like uh, kind of like it always has like kind of jazz esque kind of stuff about it. That would be quite cool. Um, so it's it's definitely under the umbrella of indie, but hopefully it's got just different kind of variations of it. So no particular theme as such, but hopefully people people will will enjoy it and enjoy more of the Islas. And then in terms of the long-term future of the band, what would need to happen for you to sit back and think, okay, we've made it? Do you know what I always I always think about this. I was listening I was watching the Killers the other day. They were on, I think, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve or something, because obviously everyone stayed in. So I was watching The Killers with my dad. Happy New Year! And um, I said to him, I was like, "When does it get boring for him? Like, when does it get boring for him playing Mr. Brightside? Like, when he's playing when you're young and stuff, and like he's loving it, but he's played it a hundred times before. 
So when when does that happen? So made it, I guess, is when you're making a living out of it, which, you know, and again, not sounds like it's really negative, but I don't think that'll ever happen for us. But made it for me is just the kind of little things like the fact that we had like more plays in America last week than we did in the UK. And even though it was like one of our best weeks in the UK, that's cool. Things like that are really wicked. Like the fact that Boston in America has like the most listeners for close. Like what? Why? <laughs> so <laughs> things like that are really cool. So I made it is probably when we're all on a tour bus and none of us have work on a Monday and we're setting out to Europe to to play our music, which would be, which would probably then I'll probably sit back and say, yeah, we've done it. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely let the boys enjoy the time and I'd probably be the one who's focused on all right what do we do now where do we go from here what's next (laughs) so yeah if it ever happens i will message both of you and be like guys made it (laughs) on my tour bus (laughs) currently in prague so yeah made it (laughs) where can our listeners connect with you guys online what's the best place for them to go if they want to find out all things islas you can find us on twitter and instagram quite simply at the Islas Band we're pretty good with with Instagram to be honest with you always on there and I usually tweet a whole load of silly stuff all the time so I'd probably say yeah check us out on on Twitter and Instagram and then any new songs any new things we, we always go via our Twitter and Instagram first and sometimes we'll send our demos out to people to listen beforehand just yesterday um, I wrote some lyric sheets on Twitter um, just because it was a month since we did last time forever and sent them out today for free to like the first 10 people that said they would want one so we do just do things like this all the time really just to kind of connect with more people so twitter and instagram would would, would be the ones and now we have one final question for you so if you could bring back any band or artist past or present for one final album who would it be and why corking question for me straight off the bat it's gonna be joe strummer from the clash Without a doubt, I'm a huge fan of The Clash. I'm a huge fan of Joe Strummer. I think he's incredible. I would love to have been able to watch him live. For him to write an, an album now with all the things that are happening, I think would be incredible. He was always kind of known as like a voice of the people, if you want. And The Clash, rightfully, in my opinion, were were classed as the most important band ever. So Joe Strummer, 100%. If he could come back and write an album called 2020 or something, um i think would be uh would, would be pretty special and i think that's absolutely what what i would want to hear well thank you so much nathan for taking the time to speak to us and thank you for all your brilliant answers we're very very excited to see what 2021 has in store for the islas not the islas the islas <laughs> <laughs> i have to put a disclaimer at the beginning islas not islas uh wonderful thank you both so much for having me it's been been a real pleasure
don't know how to end So let's just start Thank you for listening to the up and coming podcast we hope you loved today's episode as much as we did make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now we'll be back next week chatting with british country singer and songwriter emma moore but if you can't wait until then for your up and coming fix or if you want more information on today's artist and loads of other amazing artists visit the up and coming blog page you can also follow us on instagram and twitter for more exclusive content You'll find links to each one in the description. In the meantime, have a great week.